Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation. But wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives. So join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics. From your net worth to your self-worth, get ready to take confident action. Hello, this is Kaylee, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast. Today's podcast is called How to Do Not Care What Other People Think. I love this. So we are joined today by special guest Amanda Hess. Amanda is a certified life coach who helps women stop doubting themselves and start trusting themselves so they can create a life they actually want. She turned her own life of insecurity into one of abundance, and she is passionate about helping other women do the same. Amanda is the founder of 3S Confidence and recently launched a podcast called How to Love Yourself No Matter What. So thank you so much, Amanda, for being here today. I'm excited for this conversation because I'm like, oh, is this possible? <laughs> I like this. I like this very much. <laughs> thank you so um, much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here today. Yes. So can you start off just maybe telling us a little bit about um, your journey and what brought you to where you are today with the coaching work you do? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my journey has been... I guess a long one and a short one. It's a little bit of both. Um, what I would say is that for many, many years, I struggled with my own self-worth and I struggled with believing that I was good enough the way that I was. And it really showed up in my life in a lot of different ways. Um, and when I really got introduced to coaching, I had hired um, a marriage coach. And when I hired this marriage coach, she really challenged my ideas about what I thought was true about me, about my life, about my relationships. And in doing that, I started to realize that I was always in control of how I felt. And that in fact, other people weren't in charge of that. And I was, and that was such a powerful realization. And it really allowed me to change my marriage, allowed me to change my life. And in doing so, I just fell in love with coaching and decided that I was going to go all in on that. And that's where I was going to focus all of my time and energy. Um, before coaching, I was a stylist. So I actually worked with women helping them fix their outward appearance. But what really became super evident early on was that every single woman I met had this thing, this thing that they believed was wrong with them. And it was appearance related, of course, when I was doing styling, but what I learned is it was way deeper than that. And that so many of us struggle with our self-image, with our confidence, with our ability to believe in our worth, to even have the, I guess, mindset to be willing to invest in ourselves. And so, yeah, I just decided to start on that journey. I became certified as a life coach this year. I have a full life coaching practice and I live it. I teach it. It's just, it's the most amazing thing. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And just, 
I think with what you're explaining with women, like it just like absolutely like resonates, like hearing that, that there is these moments where it's like, you know, that we're just not feeling like enough or, you know, why are we having these sort of self-worth um, issues come up? So I love that. And can you share a little bit about, so the title of your company, so it's 3S Confidence. Can you explain what that stands for or what it means? Yeah, I can. So the three S I came up with long before actually when I was styling and it meant something totally different when I was styling. But what was so beautiful about changing my uh, direction with my business and leaning into coaching is that I realized that the three S's could be the pillars of what I really teach when it comes to confidence, which is self-trust, self-worth and self-belief. And if you have those three pillars, ultimately that's where confidence comes from. And I love it even from the standpoint of so many of us believe that confidence is something that we achieve externally and that it's something that's given to us or it's something that we have based on evidence of what we've achieved or accomplished in the past. But the truth is that it doesn't come from there at all. And it, it comes from inside of you believing that you are a worthy, beautiful human being. And when you can do that, then you'll have confidence because you won't be looking outwardly for that from anyone because you'll recognize that it comes from within. Yeah. Okay. So then can we kind of like unpack that further? Cause it makes me think of, okay, you know, we talk about love and self-love and so how do we like for women that are struggling with this or, you know, maybe we don't even aren't even aware of it. And then it kind of, you know, it's coming up in another way for us, but you know, what does that look like? Or how can we, you know, talk about love and self-love and how we experience that? Yeah. And I think it's a really important conversation because I think that a lot of times what happens is that it's almost the new buzzword. And so many people talk about, oh, you need to love yourself. And there's people on social media posting pictures of themselves, you know, unfiltered, raw, here's my cellulite. And I think all of that is beautiful. And actually what I think is really beautiful about it more than anything is recognizing that we're all flawed. And I think that when it comes to self-love, so many of us think, well, I'll love myself when I lose the weight, or I will love myself when I have the relationship, or I will love myself when fill in the blank. I mean, there's a hundred caveats that we have in place with respect to when we think self-love will come into play. Um, what people don't really realize is that that's backwards. You'll never really be able to achieve those things and keep them if you don't really love yourself first. And what I really mean by that, because I know it seems very intangible, is that the first thing you have to do is you have to be willing to look at yourself. Like you have to be really willing to see yourself. And I think a lot of us are hiding from ourselves. You know, we're hiding from ourselves in the mirror. Uh, a lot of my clients are hiding from themselves in pictures. They won't allow their picture to even be taken. If they do, they pick it apart with a viciousness that is generally reserved for your mortal enemy, right? And on top of that, it's, it's even our personality traits and what we believe is true about us. So it's really being able to break it down and just let it all hang out. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you're saying those things, I'm like, I'm the, I'm the picture person. I'm like, don't take a picture of me. <laughs> 
And then I'm like, I really need to update my photos. So, um, so that's interesting to know that that's, you know, some of how it shows up or where it's coming from. And so just even the title of this, the, that how not to care what other people think I, it's so like, it's encouraging and exciting, but then at the same time, I'm like, but how, like, how do we do that then? Yeah. And what do we need to do? Cause it's, it, it's kind of, you know, different ways that we're having those feelings. I think now with everything that's gone on, maybe it's, you know, feeling very much like you have to hide yourself. You're not willing to, you know, speak up or put things on social media or whatever that looks like for someone. But um, there is still like a lot of that fear. I think we have about what are other people going to think? And we can overthink that and, and spiral in our heads about that. So what do you suggest then for that? Well, I think it's kind of like a big, it's a big conversation for sure, because the reason why we care about what other people think is that in our, in our history, we're pack animals, right? We are designed to be surrounded by other people and our primitive brain kind of thinks that we are still in the wild and that in the wild, we need to keep our pack around us, right? We need those people to be safe. We need these people so that we don't get eaten by a bear. And the truth is we're not in the wild anymore. So we don't, we don't really need to have that as much as we think that we do. Yes, we're social animals, but what ends up happening is what I find is we, we change ourselves at the expense of ourselves. And so what that kind of looks like is I, I just did a podcast on this. So I'll, I'll, I'll explain it in this analogy because I think it really works. So we are growing up believing that only round pegs go in round holes and all there is is round holes all around us. And that the way that we fit in is being a round peg and going in the round hole, right? And that's how we survive. But the truth is, is we're a bunch of square pegs walking around. Like we all have edges. We all have things that make us unique and very different. But we think that the only way that we can fit is if we round our edges so that we fit in that slot versus going out and finding a square slot where we fit. So basically, like when I use that analogy, what I really mean is finding the right people, right? Like finding the right fit for you instead of making yourself change so that you fit. And I think that that is really the problem is that too, for too long, we go about our life thinking that the only way is to ensure that we fit where we are versus going out and finding where we need to be so that we fit. Um, and it's so vanilla, right? And it's why when women hit their 40s and hit their 50s, which is the women that I generally work with, they're fed up, they're tired. They're sick and tired of trying to be this round peg in this round hole and they never really fit in the first place and they kind of have to wiggle themselves in and you know, there's like no way for them to fit properly. And like, that's why I like the analogy because they just are tired of it. They're tired of having to try and do that. And so what I think the whole point is, is recognizing that you are different and that's so good. Yeah. Like really owning it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's just like, for listeners, like, think about that. Like I am different and that's okay. Like I am different. I'm just different than that person. Or if you're meeting, yeah. If you're meeting new people or the people around you where you've maybe felt like you've had to change who you are around. 
to just recognize, okay, I'm different than these people and embrace that. Cause I can see what you mean about getting mad almost later on. Like it's, it's like resentment builds up and, and we're so angry that we've had to be a certain way and you're tired of it. And the resentment, it's, it's almost like self-imposed because we've done it to ourselves. So it's like, well, who are we going to get mad at? Um, but yeah, I can see that, that, you know, that happens. Like we can only do that for so long. And then it's like, no, no more. Um, and you had another podcast episode. This might be, might've been the same one or a different one, but you talk about um, the beating stick that we yeah. use. Can you, can you chat maybe a little bit about that? Cause I feel like that touches on this topic too. I love it. I just had a conversation with a client today and she's like, maybe I should just put one on my wall to remind myself that it's there and I shouldn't be using it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We all have a beating stick, right? I mean, basically what it looks like, how it shows up is let's say you're out trying something new and then it doesn't work out, right? For whatever reason. I mean, maybe you dropped out of college or maybe your relationship failed or you didn't lose the weight or you gained weight during COVID. I mean, who knows? I mean, there's so many different things that can go on. And what ends up happening is that rather than looking at that experience and saying, oh, look, this happened, that's fine. I can move on from here. We make that experience mean something about us. Well, I really screwed up there. So the best way to handle this is to beat the ever loving crap out of myself because then I won't repeat it. That's, that's kind of the belief, right? That if I beat myself up enough, I will never do that again and I'll have a better result. But the truth is that what it really does is kind of makes you into a beaten down puppy because you keep beating yourself and beating yourself and beating yourself. And the more that you beat yourself, the less likely you are to show up in a really great way in your life. Like you're way less likely to get great results from beating yourself up. And you can see it in your own life if you really look at it, right? I mean, if you look at it, let's look at it from the standpoint of food. So let's say that you wanna lose 20 pounds and I'm not saying you need to lose 20 pounds at all. Oh, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, great. Um, let's say you want to lose 20 pounds. If you, if you have a really bad day and then you decide to have, let's say, a couple glasses of wine and a pizza, the next day, if you decide that you're going to beat the crap out of yourself for doing that, how likely are you to want to go to the gym? How likely are you to eat healthy and just continue on. You're not, you're way more likely to be like, I should probably stay in bed and just watch Netflix today. And I might as well eat that chocolate bar that I had in the cabinet. And I'm just gonna binge today and blah, 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 right? I mean, that's what often happens. And what I see with my clients and and with my friends and, and with myself, honestly, is that that's the beating stick. It's like, okay, I've just picked it up and now I'm gonna, I'm just gonna beat myself up and beat myself up and beat myself up and try to beat myself into being better. But like what I would always ask you is like, what would you do with your daughter? Would you do that if she messed up? Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We think of other people and we're like, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't beat someone up. No, you're right. But we do it to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's so damaging and the beating stick is we all own it. And the, also the really fascinating thing about it is it's all in our head. 
So we have a lot of conversations going on in our head that never take place in real life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, and I'm thinking about it, I've never thought of it as a beating stick, but yeah, when you're just like, just continue to go at yourself of like, why did I do that? How could I do that? I'm so dumb. Like just that what's on repeat and the things you're saying and you're just like, whoa. But when you actually think of it as a beating stick, it does seem a lot worse. And you're like, no more, no No more more of that. And it's like Um, acid on your self-confidence, right? It just, uh, it literally is, is like pouring acid over your confidence. So I want you to think about when you start having really positive thoughts about yourself and you start thinking, you know, wow, I'm doing a really good job. And then you screw up once, like you make a mistake and making a mistake is if it's so optional to think it's a mistake anyways, but let's just say for the sake of this conversation, that that's what you think about it. When you decide to beat yourself up about it, it is like pouring acid over your confidence. Like when you talked about how do you grow your confidence, you grow your confidence by first of all, recognizing that that's what you're doing. It's having the awareness. Oh, look, I do this sometimes. Maybe I don't want to choose to do that because it really is a choice. Yeah. And then choose something else. Yeah. That's more productive. That's more supportive of that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And then what came up in what you were saying too, is that that mistakes and it makes me think of like perfectionism. And that's another thing that comes up a lot. I don't know. Like I can speak from as a woman, as I, but I feel like it can be oftentimes women, you know, trying to achieve perfection and be perfect. Yeah. Be perfect at all these things that we try to do in our lives. And it's that too can get a bit exhausting and daunting. And so what would you say about that for people that might be struggling with perfectionism? perfectionism? Yeah. Well, I think we all know that perfection is a myth. I mean, I think a lot of times when I talk to people, they, we all know this, right? I mean, nothing I'm saying here is new, but <clears throat> we're taught to be perfectionists at a really young age. I just, you know, want you to consider even when we went to school, you needed to get an A, right? And if you don't get an A, then basically there's a problem. So if you come home with a B, well, how come you didn't get an A? So yeah. it's not really surprising that as adults, we think that perfection is the only answer, but perfection is so loose because my definition of perfection is so different from your definition of perfection. But what I really suspect it is, is a fear of appearing like you failed, right? The look of having screwed it up and then the emotional fallout that will come with that. You know, so being a mother, right? How can you be a perfect mother? Well, who says what a perfect mother looks like? I mean, one person is going to say you need to vaccinate your kids and another is going to say you shouldn't. And one person is going to say that you should breastfeed until they're six. And another person is going to be like, you should never breastfeed. And it just goes on and on and on. You should let them cry it out. You shouldn't, et cetera, et cetera. So we get to decide what our version of perfection is. And then we have to decide whether or not it's serving us and whether or not it's true. So one of the people that I really love her books is a a woman called Byron Katie. I don't know if you've ever read her book. Yeah, I love her stuff. Just the the questions that she goes through of, is it true? Yes. Is it true? Like you could ask yourself, is it true all day long? You know, 
Is it true? I like to go from the standpoint of good enough is good enough. Because if I decide that it's good enough, the energy that I bring to my life, that I bring to my children, that I bring to my job, that I bring to my husband, all of it is so different than telling myself constantly that it's not good enough. Says who? Only says me. So I get to decide where, I, where I'm going to put that bar and what is the life that I want to live? Because I even think, you know, when you think about, I, I care what other people think, you don't really. I just don't think you do. I think you care how you're going to think. You care what you're going to think if they react to what you do, right? Yeah. Well, and even what you said is like that we get to decide. It's kind of like, oh, you're right. Like we don't, I don't think of it as that way. And then I'm like, oh, I get to decide what perfect is or what, you know, what is good enough. You're right. Like it's not up to someone else. It is something inherent. So you're like, okay, if I get to decide that, then I, I get to set the boundary of, you know, when I've hit that. And, and if I still think there's more work to be done or whatever that looks like. Yeah. And I think that it's very fluid. It might change from day to day. Think about this depending on the day you're having is totally going to change your perspective on what you think perfect is because one day, you know, perfect might be even think about getting dressed one day. Perfect might be sweatpants and a t-shirt and a ponytail. And then another day, perfect is still not achieved and you're wearing stilettos and a beautiful dress and your hair is done and your makeup's done and it's still not perfect. And that's how we know that even our perception of perfection is really challenged by our mood and how we're feeling that day. Yeah. Yeah. So getting to kind of set that and, and what we want that to be. Um, it's, yeah, it's just very empowering. It's like, okay, I, I get to be in control of this. Um, I think a lot of women don't feel in control of it though. In all honesty, I think a lot of times what happens is it feels like it's out of your control. mm -hmm. So what I really like to, um, do is just question that, like who's really in control. You know what I will say? And, and I really believe it. It's what my coaching school teaches and it's really what Byron Katie teaches. And I mean, it's, it's, the idea that the way that you feel is caused by how you think. It's not caused by all the things that happen. All of the things that happen to you, around you, that other people do, none of that causes you to feel anything. How you feel is caused by what you think. And what you think is always up to you. Yeah. So deciding, yeah, do I have to change that? Is there, you know, is this not serving me? So that being said, then what are some, what are some strategies then that we can use if we're saying, okay, yeah, I want to be in that space. I, I don't want to have to care what other people think or, or have that be such a, you know, a a trigger or something in my life where I'm constantly in fear of what is someone else going to think about this? How are they going to perceive me? Um, So if we want to let go of that, what do we need to do? What are some ideas? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I really recommend is doing a thought download, like really allowing yourself to write down all the things you do think and why you're afraid of it. You know, I am worried about what my mother's going to think if I do this. And then why? Just write it all down. Let your brain expel all of the thoughts that it's thinking so that they're on paper so you can see them and then really question them. Is this actually true? 
would this actually happen, right? A lot of times the things that we're afraid of are never going to happen. Yeah. And even if they do happen, so what? Like, so what? Who cares? You know, just really navigating what am I really afraid of here? Because what we tend to do is we start feeling an emotion. And when we're worrying about what other people think, it usually is fear or shame or guilt. It's something around those kinds of emotions. And there are emotions that we don't like to let ourselves feel. We don't allow ourselves to process them. We don't allow them to be there. Instead, what we do is we kind of hide from them, right? But the hiding is what causes you to retreat and retreat and retreat. And it really is kind of how you take your square edges and try to round them out, right? Versus just showing up and being like, it's going to be okay. The way that you do that is by recognizing that all the thoughts you're having are real thoughts that you're having. So I'm not a big believer in just doing positive thinking for the sake of positive thinking because of that reason, because you have to be honest with yourself. If you can't be honest with yourself, you're never going to be able to change it. Never. So first, just writing down all the things you're actually thinking and then asking yourself, is this true? Right? And what do I want to believe instead? What do I really want to believe here? Because a lot of times we can lean into those beliefs. Like, listen, I think that this bad thing could happen, but I want to believe that I'll be fine no matter what. Like you can have some thoughts in, in your arsenal that are powerful and useful, such as I can handle this, right? I know what to do. I'm going to be okay. Those are all thoughts that we can just choose to think no matter what. And once we've let our brain sort of, sometimes when I have to thought down those with clients, it's sort of like, I tell them it's just, your brain, let it have a tantrum, like let it scream and yell and get it all out, like put it all out there, give it a voice. Even just doing that will be enough sometimes for you to just let it go. Yeah. And the writing down piece so important. Like I'm always, I like shortcuts, but then I find when I actually, like I go, I'll just think about it, but I find the act of actually writing it down just more comes up. And then you're right. When you look back, you can see it and kind of almost see it just a little bit like less connected to it and then go, Hmm, that's not right. Mm -hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't want that. That's, that's not, that's not something I want. That's not serving me. So the, actually the act of writing it down, I think is so important. That's so big. And I love that you see that because it's so easy for all of us to think that we don't have to do that. Oh, I can just skip that part. I'll just think it. (laughs) No, you need to write it down. Like, I don't care if you type it or you write it with a pen or you put it in the notes of your phone. And that is one thing that I do recommend, make it easier on yourself. Like really and truly, how can I make this easy? Make that your mantra. How can I make this easier? Ask yourself that all day long because it doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be, you don't need a special journal. You don't need a pretty gel pen. (laughs) You just need to write it down. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of like, I'll start that when I get the pretty journal and when I get the fancy pen. Amazon (laughs) and order this thing. (laughs) Now I've spent oodles of money and I don't even know where it went. Um, Now I'm not feeling good again. Yeah. Just anywhere though. You're right. Do what works, do what's easy, whatever it's going to take to get that done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think more than anything, you know, the other thing I will say is have your own back. 
too many of us don't have our own back. I'm like, really and truly have your back before anybody else's. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah. And it's such a great journaling exercise to ask yourself that. Yeah. Yeah. That brings up for me too something that like, I think it's something that maybe is like a constant, um, learning experience or journey for me, but, um, boundaries, like the boundaries conversation and having boundaries and setting boundaries. Is there any strategies or ideas you have for that? Like if we're finding that that's where kind of the, the issues are happening for us when we're starting to care what other people think or, um, trying to do too much or things like that. Yeah. I mean, I would say that the conversation always has to start with why, you want to put the boundary in place, right? I find sometimes boundaries are done wrong. Well, I'm gonna do this so this person does that. That's not a boundary. That's you trying to control another person (laughs) versus versus when you do X, I'm going to do Y. So for instance, if you yell at me, I'm going to leave. That's a boundary. Okay. And if you set that boundary, understanding that that boundary is for you. And that boundary is not for them. So boundaries are always things that we do for ourselves and we get to do them no matter what. We have the right to do and set whatever boundaries we like, understanding that boundaries only have to do with us and our container. And so how the other person wants to feel about that boundary is entirely up to them. They get to decide. We're not in charge of that. So boundaries are awesome and they're really, really important. Um, But I really like to put that container around it, because I think there's some confusion with respect to what boundaries are and what boundaries aren't. Um, Boundaries should come from a place of sufficiency and that you don't need anybody to do anything, but you can choose to not to participate anytime you want. Just understanding that that doesn't mean it's going to change their behavior. Okay. Yeah. So seeing the limitations of that, but yeah, like they're necessary, but yeah. And how they work too. I'm thinking of like, okay, like the boundaries, sometimes you struggle because you're like, well, if I say no, then what are they going to think? Or they're going to mm-hmm. think I'm, you know, not nice or this or that. So again, it's going back to what other people think, but um, is that kind of the boundary conversation then too? Like if we're just finding we're spreading ourselves too thin because we're worried about, you know, people thinking a certain way, if we do set these boundaries. Yeah. I mean, what I would say is that if you are worried about what somebody else is going to think when you set a boundary, then you need to explore that. I would get really curious with yourself. I don't think we can have enough curiosity about why we do the things we do and why we're thinking the things we're thinking. Um, I would be very curious as to why it matters if they think that. What are you making it mean about you? Generally, what I see is that you're making it mean something about you. And it has something to do with your worth. It has something to do with your um, lovability. Oftentimes that's what it is, right? Well, if I say no, and then they're upset, then that means I've done something wrong and that I'm not a good person, right? Yeah. That's kind of a very generic way of looking at what's a pretty common problem versus it's such a big conversation, but how we experience love is not how other people give it to us. It's how we choose to receive it. So what I mean by that is I can decide that I love somebody regardless of how they show up. 
I can literally decide that. But I, if I make their actions mean something about me, then I, it's a very slippery slope and I'm giving away my control and I'm giving away my power and I'm giving away my happiness to that person. And it's mm-hmm. dangerous to do that because it pulls from your worth and it pulls from your confidence. And then just even when you start showing up, needing that from another person over and over and over again, just notice how it changes your dynamic and your relationship, right? And makes it really unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then you're putting conditions on it and mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I can see how that could how could that could all come into play? I love that. Any other, like for sake of time, any other tips or things you want to share with listeners um, about this topic or anything related? (laughs) I could talk for hours, as you know, because we already have, but what I would say is that doing the work of loving yourself is going to feel super uncomfortable and it's going to feel wrong. And so just know that just because it doesn't feel right doesn't mean that it's not true. So a lot of times the things that we've told ourselves, we've been telling ourselves for years, years and years and years. So it feels like home, it feels real. And it also feels terrible. So when you start thinking something else on purpose, like I'm worthy, I'm beautiful, I'm amazing, I'm worth more than what I'm getting right now, that's going to feel like a lie because you have never thought that before, but that doesn't make it any less true. Yeah. I think that's such a good reminder for people um, because yeah, I find when I'm going through these stages of like growth, it's like you get to this period where you're like, it feels kind of icky. (laughs) And then you're like, okay, you know, when you're in the good part, when it feels that way, because you're like, there's growth beyond this. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's growth beyond all of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a good reminder because it does feel counterintuitive. You're like, okay, I'm doing this, you know, to have that self-love and that worthiness. So you're like, that all is supposed to feel really good. And then if you're not feeling that, you're like, something's not working. I'm doing something wrong, but <laughs> that's not the case. You might be just right on track. Yeah. It's not going to feel, it's not going to feel real. And I think that we believe that because that's the case, that it's inauthentic or that it's not right, but even consider that you're just not your thoughts. We have, I forget what the number is, 64,000 thoughts or something like that a day. We have a lot of thoughts. We don't believe Mm -hmm. all of them, right? I mean, I even said to a client the other day, I used to believe there was a boogeyman in the basement when I was a kid, okay? Mm -hmm. For years, for years, I believe that was true. I'm 44. I still don't like going in the basement by myself with the lights off. Because I yeah. still have this thought that something might be down there, but I don't really believe it, right? Yeah. Not in the same way I did when I was six, <laughs> but, yeah. but it still pops up. That yeah. doesn't mean that it's true or untrue. It's just a thought. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So let's actually like look at those thoughts if they're having a big impact and, and really like dive deeper and say, is this true? Yeah. Do I know it's true? Yeah. That's a, that's an amazing reminder. I love it. I love this conversation. <laughs> we can keep just chatting. Um, but okay. So how can listeners find you if they want to get a hold of you? Um, again, like I love your podcast. So 
I highly recommend for anyone listening to take a listen to that. So it's how to love yourself no matter what. And I think you can find it on any podcasting platform, right? You can. Yeah. It's on all of them. You can find it everywhere. And then, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at three S confidence and you can find my website three S confidence.com. And, uh, those are the best ways to reach me. Yes. I love your posts and everything on Instagram too. So I, there's lots of good information. So I highly recommend people subscribe, follow, um, and I'll have all those links in the show notes too, for everyone. Awesome. Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. And thank you for everyone tuning in. Um, That was amazing. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. It is. Okay. Bye for now, everyone. We'll catch you next time. I hope you found value in this episode. And because I'm such a proponent of taking confident action, I want to pose a question to you, the listener. What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much, and I will catch you next time.